Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft Tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes podcast. This is Case 12, Color of Lightning. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a sci-fi horror role-playing game. Your investigators of the unknown are... Gabe, as Roy. I've decided to try and teach people English without knowing the language that they speak. It will be my service to the world. Matt, as Rocky. I can't believe I'm actually holding hands. This is so gross. I hope she doesn't have cooties. I forgot to get that vaccination update. You know, was, uh, I was waiting for my booster and it never got around to it. And Brian as Pippa. Mental note. Don't forget to sabotage the elevator. All right, guys. Welcome back, everybody. It's been uh, been a little while since we played. Yeah, a minute. Yeah, it was really nice to not talk to anybody. It's literally been one minute. All right, listeners, if you would like to provide feedback or praise or just say hi, drop us a letter from beyond on our website at lovecrafttapes.com. The show is brought to you in part by our generous fans and supporters on patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes. Before we begin, we need to take a quick commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsor. Welcome to the Vincent Quest. Your new world awaits. We've all been waiting for this moment. The moment that we shape the very history of mankind. You've all been chosen as tomorrow's saviors to find a new world. I thought this was only a colonization trip. I guess we'll find out. Doesn't it seem odd? This much military? What do they expect to find? New worlds have new monsters. Warning. Warning. Collision in route. Get to the pod. Wait! Wait! Mabel, I love... Something is on this ship, and we need to get off. It's not that simple. We're too far to return home. I went out into space and found a darkness that will consume us all. We need to find the immune. Immune? Whoever doesn't die from their bite. I don't think we're ever going home. What makes you think there's a home to go to? The Others by Manic B Media. An audio drama available now. Have you ever found yourself short on time and running headlong down a city street with a puppy in your arms, only to comically collide with another person short on time, rushing down that same city street with a boa constrictor in their arms? And then the both of you wish these animals would magically combine to create two great pets that go great together? Well, of course you have. Happens all the time. That's why our founder and CEO and resident physician created Dr. Moreau's Mixolitter, a 25th century pet store for our 21st century world. Simply bring in your favorite pet, select a recombination flavor, and let us perform our questionable scientific wizardry on it. Oh, sure, it might be a bit painful to your little pal, and you're bound to hear some unsettling inhuman screams emitting from the patent-pending pressure chamber. But it will be over in less than 60 seconds. You'll have a brand spanking new fur-covered weasel pup, or perhaps a colorful flying hamster parrot, or even a creeping curious tarantula cat waiting for you at the other end of the recombinator. Take your new cuddle buddy home, but introduce it to the household slowly. Keep it away from small children or other pets for a period of no less than 72 hours. Feed it plant material only. If it scratches or bites or otherwise gets a taste for human flesh, kill it with fire immediately. In fact, just burn down your whole house and salt the earth so that nothing ever grows there again. Just to be sure. But if you do manage to survive that crucial three-day adjustment period... 
to relax and play with your family member as you would any other strange yet sad-looking pet. So the next time you think, huh, I wonder what science gone wrong looks like, be sure to think of us. Dr. Moreau's Mix-A-Litter. And we're back. What'd you guys think of that product and service? After taking uh, sensitivity training today, I'm, I'm, I can't agree with this product right now. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, man. That was like the greatest product we've ever had on this show. It was the product we've ever had on this show. I'm using it right now. It's the best. Oops. Sorry, guys. The answer we were looking for was adequate. The product and our service was adequate. Better luck next time. And for those playing at home, today's secret buzzword was mellifluous. If you said it aloud at any time during this broadcast, your smart devices reported it back to our headquarters and $17,000 is now directly deposited into your primary savings account. Congratulations. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Harker saying, don't forget to spay or neuter your third born child. Preach on, brother. Oh, see you guys next week. It was fun. Wait, that may be me. <laughs> now... Dear investigators, we play Case 12, Tape 11, Jaunt to a Foreign Land. Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes. Light and dark are two sides of the same coin, and sometimes it's difficult to tell them apart when you're standing beneath gray skies, both beckoning with the same promise of a more prosperous future. Pippa recovers from an assault her anger boiling over until she's not sure who might be friend and who might be foe. Roy unsuccessfully tries to track down his brother before the police apprehend him for murder, though eventually the two Arroyos encounter a very much changed Charlene, who has an odd proposition that's a bit different than what Rocky may have been expecting. With the Twilight Sideshow grand opening only hours away, the investigators need to plan their next actions very quickly. Pippa. Madame Starbuck leads you out of Charlene's apartment, her hand gently clasping yours. You feel an electric tingle pass between your fingertips, and then suddenly, you're standing inside a darkened tent. The only light emitted from a kerosene lantern hanging high overhead, but turned down low. Starbucks smiles and disengages her warm grip as you battle a wave of disorientation. It'll pass, she says. The first jaunt is always the hardest. You try to speak, but a rush of hot acid bubbles up from your stomach to fill your mouth. Gagging, you spit it on the sawdust-covered ground. Starbuck rubs your back. Just breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. That's it. Breathe. Slowly, you feel some semblance of equilibrium begin to return. Good, Starbuck purrs. Give it a few more minutes. Please, help yourself to anything that strikes your fancy. And when you're ready, join me in the next room. Before you can gasp out a question, she is gone, leaving you alone. At your back, you sense a glowing luminescence steadily getting brighter. I slowly turn around. You slowly turn around to see what appear to be three stations, each lit under their own separate spotlight from an unknown source high overhead. The first spotlight displays a bar cart with a chilled bottle of Chardonnay and a single glass set next to a bowl full of ripe figs. Under the second spotlight is a ceramic clawfoot tub, under which are burning embers with steam rising from the water and a rack on the side with several French-perfumed soaps. The third spotlight illuminates a portable clothes rack, upon which hangs a single, simple black dress. I'm going to need you to roll a Powell, please. I needed a 60. I rolled a 99. That's a fail. Something is wrong. I'm going to reboot my computer real quick. I'll be right back. Pippa is still feeling sick to her stomach a bit and angry, of course, about just this whole situation. But your stomach settles almost instantly and actually growls, and the anger that you felt dissipates as if it were drained out of you. 
And all you can think about is how good that Chardonnay would taste. And without realizing it, you've already turned in that direction and are walking and pouring yourself a glass of the Chardonnay. You feel slightly drunk even as you tip the glass to your lips and you taste the very familiar vintage that you buy all the time. You feel the warming, calming, soothing effects of the wine as it slips down your throat sensuously. And your fingers move by themselves to pluck one of the ripe figs and just slip it past your lips, licking the fingertips. This explosion of sweetness mingle perfectly with the Chardonnay. Now I have to take a bath. You've set the glass down and you are unbuttoning your blazer. You begin to undress. Myself? No, me. With your eyes, though. With your teeth. In the mirror. And uh, we'll leave you there. Half undressed? Thanks. It's going to get cold, you jackass. It's a PG-13, Brian. We have to keep that PG-13. Fuck. We get one F-bomb, guys. Don't waste it. He already said fuck. Great. Now we're R. Rocky, your head is spinning, senses still dizzy from the teleportation. Charlene called it jumping. And that makes sense because the bottom of your feet hurt slightly, as if you'd leapt from a two-story building and landed on hard concrete. She is leaning casually against one wall, decorated with a wood-carved map of Arkham chewing a wad of gum, watching you with a mixture of amusement and raw attraction. When she sees you looking at her, she winks. We got a little time before Roy gets here, she says and nods her head suggestively in the direction of the storeroom, raising her eyebrows comically. You can't quite tell if she's serious or not. Lem, who is stocking pamphlets a few feet away, suddenly startles into half-awareness. <gasps> What's that, Rocky? You want another time? Uh, it's half past the monkey's ass. Ain't that what you and your brother used to tell me back in the day? Hardy har Still chuckling, he continues to slip colorful printed media into the wrong slots. I ever do still have that disdain for teleportation. Why can't people just move normally through time and space? Yeah, but what fun is that? You don't have to worry about temporal slip displacement, though. Seen that happen before, it's not pretty. You weren't looking at my temporal slip, were you? Men died that day. Yeah, alright, whatever. How long is it going to take Roy to get here, you think? Longer than you think, but not quite long enough. What do we do in the meantime? Yeah, I wasn't kidding about the stockroom thing. Or was I? So, just... Clear this up for me. I'm still putting pieces together. Yeah, sure thing, hun. What's up? So, you are looking for a complete set of these star stones, correct? Well, yeah, these two are pretty nice together. I mean, I get a little certain jolt, you know, like we talked about, but gotta have the complete set if we want to do the thing. And Starbuck has the third one. Yeah. And you're trying to use those to enter something called the Library City. Correct the mundo. All right. You are pretty sharp. I always like that about you. You're like one step ahead. Well, this many years in the field, you pick up a thing or two. Oh, so you, you play the field a lot, do you? Only when no one else will. Generally, they stick me with the cases that have more than one dead body attached for some reason. So this one is called the Abernathy Stone. That's my stone. That's my dad's stone, my great-great-grandfather's stone. And this one, is well, it used to be Pippa's, so you know what we call that, don't you? The Chatterton Stone. Just little nicknames they came up with a long time ago. But of course, we need the Starbucks Stone to really throw a party. <laughs> what? Party? Yes, Lem, I think you have a, a, a pamphlet about party safety in the storage room. You, you might want to go get that. Yeah, would you mind getting it for me? Okay, but remember where I put it. Going to grab him and spin him in the direction of the storage closet and just give him a little bit of a push. It's it's in that direction, Lem, just... <gasps> Where's, where's the light switch? Right over here, Lem, and I'm going to click the lights on for him. Holy shit! Let there be light! Jesus, is that you? I'm coming soon! Hey, Rocky, you g- give me a hand back here. I know I put it somewhere. We'll be right back. I'm going to turn to Charlene, and then I'm just going to, like, click the door shut. After these messages. So, hon, what do you want to do? Now that we have a little privacy. Oh, clearly we're going to need some sort of plan here. Starbuck 
probably has some degree of preparation and understanding of what's going to happen tonight. The question is, is how do you outplay that? I've been thinking about it a little bit, and I have this plan, okay? So what we do is we're going to need a distraction, right? And I, I just, I saw this in a movie once. And I think what we'd like to have you do is strip down naked. So if you took off, like, all your clothes, like, everything like that would be a huge and then just run through the middle of town what what do you think normal saturday i mean you know some people might pay to see that but i I have a fiver i think in my wallet well my only fans is more expensive than that sweetheart at that stage lem bursts out of the uh storage room (gasps) oh there you are for a minute i was back in the coffin lem you have always been several steps away from a coffin (laughs) half past monkey's head I couldn't find it. Damn place is mess. I can't find anything back there. You keep Charlene company. I'm going to go find your pamphlet for you. And I'm going to walk into the supply closet and close the door behind me. Frantically search around and see if there's a back door. Give me a spy hidden. Uh, I needed a 60. I rolled a two. That's an extreme. You're looking at the far wall and you see this sort of outline of where a door probably was once upon a time, but it's been bricked up behind this bookcase. As you're moving this metal shelving out of the way to see if like maybe there's a secret trigger or something to get it open, you see a Peculiar looking folder. Pull the folder out and open it up and see what's inside. You can read this. Massachusetts Correctional Institution, November 19th, 1957. In pursuant to the events of July 19th, 1947, see attached notes RE colon Arkham Arson, it is the recommendation of this review board that Lemworth Dort Munderson be hereby remanded to his own custody and released from the correctional facility in Norfolk, Massachusetts immediately for time served and good behavior. Roy, you trudge through the woods on the outskirts of Arkham, walking an old dirt trail you used to hike when you were a kid and which you know leads to the visitor center another mile away. It's fine. You needed the exercise and fresh air anyway. At least... That's what you tell yourself as the July afternoon heat and humidity soak through your clothes, sweat dripping from your furrowed brow. That lobster roll isn't sitting so well in the bottom of your guts right now. Mayo and heavy bread swirling like churned buttermilk. Thankfully, clouds obscure the blazing summer sun. They hang in the air, scudding low, bruised and straining at the seams, wanting so badly to burst rain, but for some reason unable to. Yet. Even the birds seem to sense the impending storm, their maddening chirps like the babbling of lunatics just before medication time. You're envisioning a cool glass of water and full-tilt air conditioning at your destination when you see a familiar slipshod treehouse just off the pathway a couple hundred feet tucked into a clearing. Is... is that your old fort? The one you built with Rocky? After all these years, how could it still be standing? As you stare unbelieving, a shadow inside moves furtively past the open window. I'll approach it. As you approach, you see it is that same ramshackle fort that you built. Uh, Remind us again what that that experience was like. How'd you guys come upon the lumber and all that? As kids, we always broke into the old lumber yard. Just over the months, we took it piece by piece. We didn't ever want to take too much at one time. We'd go down, we'd grab a piece, and we'd bring it back here. Threw a bunch of leaves on top of it so nobody would see it. And then since we got it all, we started building. As you said, you and Rocky never really interacted a whole lot. But maybe this was the one thing that you guys did do together and it was like maybe the the only thing that sort of brought you closer together all those years ago yeah that and the heroin we had a good time with that heroin yeah that was fun one piece that is actually still in great shape is the screen door and you hear a shuffle from inside draw long sleeves out a little bit and sort of check out the inside So you go up the ladder and you test each of the rungs to make sure it'll still hold your weight. A couple of them have been broken and you notice one has actually been broken recently, ripped out of its moorings. You draw long sleeves and open the screen door and climb into the fort. The fort, of course, is a simple room, just a place where you guys would gather and maybe read uh, magazines that you weren't supposed to be reading and drinking soda, maybe lifted from the uh, local grocers. 
The one thing you don't expect to see is someone seated in the far corner next to a, what appears to be your old lockbox from your house, the one that you kept under your bed, an army regulation lockbox, a place where you would keep personal objects. And this person sitting there in shadow says, Hello, Roy. It's been a while. I've been waiting for you. And the weird thing is, it sounds a little bit like your old voice. And the figure slouches forward, and you see Declan wearing your old body, which has deteriorated to an almost liquefied state. The left eye milky and blind. And I'm going to need you to roll for sanity. I failed. I needed a 53. I got an 84. We're going to need you to roll a D4, please. Three. So you're going to take three points of sanity damage for seeing your old body. Fun sanity, though. So you didn't quite hit the threshold of 48. And so you collapse opposite the corpse. And you're both sitting like mirror images on the floor. You look down at your hand... And it looks like the skin is starting to flake away. But you blink, and then it's okay again. It took you long enough to get here. How you been, Roy? Based on looking at me, I haven't been too well. (laughs) At least you've managed to keep that body looking okay. What did you do to me? I think someone did something to us. I gotta tell you, it was no fun waking up in your grave. No take backsies. I haven't had too much fun walking around in your soulless life either. I lost my soul long ago. I'm sure Rocky could tell you all about that. How is he anyways? He's doing alright. He seems to be the one out of this whole scenario that's not suffering like the rest of us. Well, he always had luck on his side. That's why I don't look at him as as much of an arroyo as the rest of us. I can see why you think that way now. This is about as unlucky as you can get. It runs in the family. Roy, I've been looking for you for a while now, as you can imagine. I hope you don't mind I help myself to this box. Joke's on him. It's full of Auto Trader magazines. Sports Illustrated. Why do they have to put the staple right there? (laughs) It's all swimsuit editions. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I do owe your wife a bit of an apology, though. She caught sight of me, and I suppose she decided to move elsewhere. You son of a bitch. Thought the house was haunted. <laughs> I guess in a way it was. It was a haunting that didn't need to take place. I tried to find a solution, but this appears to be permanent. Which is what I need to talk to you about. Well, go ahead. I can tell you didn't take it all that seriously, so I don't know why you're going to start now. Here. And he pushes the lockbox toward you. This is all yours now. I think you'll find everything there. Open it with my foot. The first thing you see inside the lockbox is a folded American flag. Pick that up and sort of rest it on my lap. Beneath the flag is a framed photo of Raid next to your death certificate. And beneath these two items are some very familiar pieces of gear. Trilby, your old forty-five six-shooter with 12 bullets, a $2 bill, a flare gun with two flares, a crowbar, and of course... A screen door repair kit. And I'll put Trilby on. That looks good on you, Roy. But I need you to do me a favor. What do you need? I need out of this body. Now, I see that six-shooter in it. I'll stand up. You see this smile crack, his teeth glinting, and he spits out. Tell your brother, we'll always have Pango Pango. And I'll shoot him in the face. I drape the flag over my slash Declan's body, and I take the flare gun, and I shoot it to burn the treehouse down. 
Pippa, you are now standing beneath the kerosene lantern, freshly bathed and dressed in nothing but the black dress, feeling calm and collected and more than a little tipsy, to be honest, but strangely satiated and somewhat more powerful. The words and rituals of your spells that you have memorized are circling like spinning ceiling fans in your mind. Exit with confidence to the next room. And you exit into what is clearly the big top. Beneath this massive tent, under a bright spotlight waiting for you, is Madame Starbuck wearing the exact same black dress. And she is standing next to what appears to be an oversized dollhouse that vaguely resembles Blaine Manor. Pippa, welcome. You're looking lovelier than ever. Was everything to your satisfaction? Honestly, I, I don't really... It went so fast. I can't really remember. I just feel at peace. I'm so happy to hear that. I've waited for someone like you for... A long, long time. Please, come. Join me. I slowly walk towards her. And she extends her hand as you approach. I clasp it. And she clasps your hand and brings you close. Do you like my house? It looks like a model of Blaine Manor, actually. Ooh, you have a great eye. I took pains to assemble it. Well, my crew... Of course, they are meticulous with their construction. And Pippa, I've dreamed about this moment. I have been looking for someone of your particular qualities. And she steps even closer to you, mere inches away, looking down at you. She reaches up, caresses your arms, and holds them firmly. I have been so lonely these many centuries. Do you get lonely, Pippa? I'd be lying if I said that I don't. I think we both know why that is. This world was not made for us, was not created by us, but by them, men. Surely you must have felt that. I haven't. Don't call me Shirley. (laughs) Hashtag fuck the patriarchy, am I right, boys? I know how Tommy Doyle reacted. He's just one of many. And he'll be the first of many who get what's coming to them. You and I, we can rule over them, make them our playthings, use them. Will you be my sister? This is so much to take in. I feel no anger towards anybody, but I should. And the one that I should feel anger towards isn't a man. It's Charlene. Yes, Charlene. And she has the keys that we need to make this happen. We need to get Charlene's star stones. One of those stones is mine. Exactly. It's my birthright. We need to retrieve those stones. And I believe... We'll have the opportunity shortly. In the meantime, you know what sisters do, don't you? Fight a lot? And play a lot. We can play dollies. Would you like to play dollies? And she reaches back to the Blaine Manor dolly house and opens up the front. And inside you see Tina Quinlan shrunken down to about a foot, her mouth sewn shut, seated at a tiny tea room table next to Tommy Doyle, who has also been shrunk down, except his arms and legs have been chopped off and sutured shut, so they're just stumps, and his eyes cauterized his tongue cut out. 
You can see the stump just flapping in his open mouth as he tries to speak, making the most awful and barely audible squeaking sound and clicking in the back of his throat. Tears are running down Tina Quinlan's face from her eyes as she looks up at you. I look at Starbuck. You can't do that to her. Not to her. She is one of our toys now. And we'll switch back to Rocky. Gonna grab the box of pamphlets that was sitting next to it that Lem was looking for. Going to walk out of the storeroom. Gonna open the door. Lem! Buddy! Set the box down. Pal! Huh? Roy? Oh, no, it's the other one. You never told me that you spent time in, uh, in the clink, the huskow, the guardhouse, lockup. The old pen pen. Yeah. Yes, it was a while back, but yes, indeed, uh, up in North Fork. See here, it, it says that uh, your lockup was in pursuant to the events of a certain July 19th, back in uh, 47. Yep, there, that says that right there, yep. Uh, isn't that also the same day that uh, a fire burned down Starbucks Circus the last time she was here? That's exactly right. Were you there too? No, but I read the papers. Oh, the funny papers. <laughs> Monkey says. So, Lem, did you do it? I had to do it. What do you mean you had to do it? Harvey said so. He said we had to get Wallace back. Do you remember what his plan was to get Wallace back? We... We're going to rescue Wallace, because, well, me and Wallace, we're kind of sweet on each other. So I, I, I helped Harvey, his brother, and we, uh, we headed up to the sideshow. Didn't know what to expect, but they, they, they ruined him. They turned Wallace into a, some kind of freak. And then they killed him. So Harvey got the stone, and, and I, I lit the fire and took the rap. That's, um, quite brave of you, Lem. Didn't know you had it in you. Well, I'm not proud of it, not proud of it at all, but she had it coming. But now now she's back, isn't she? Afraid so. Chances are she's here for the same thing she was here for last time. Now she's got another stone? Yes. That can't be good. No, it's not. Lem suddenly reaches forward and grabs you by the lapels and pulls you forward with unnatural strength. Rocky, listen to me. You gotta stop her. We gotta get that stone before she gets a revenge tonight. And then he lets go of your lapels. We're, we're up with that pamphlet. Wanders away. Oh, now where is Roy? I really thought he would have been here by now. And Charlene disappears. And in the blink of an eye, she is back, leaning up against the map, chewing her gum. Oh, he'll be here in three, two, one. And Roy walks into the door. Hey, Lem. Roy! Good to see you. This, this guy's a bit of a wet rag. Yeah, I'm not a fan of him either. The girl's okay. Well, I don't agree, but we can move along. How you been, Lem? Can't seem to remember where I put anything these days. Well, that's because you can't see and you have no brain left. A monkey's ass. <laughs> All right, Rock. What, what did you find out? Slide over to the folder with Lem's release papers in it and show him and let him read over it. So, you see our pamphlet loving friend here was uh, apparently part of the team that stopped Starbuck the last time she was in town. Why didn't you tell me this before, Lem? Who? What? Tell what? Who? I knew you had it in you. It's inside me. Oh, God. Shouldn't eat that taco burrito. How did he do it? So, you see, apparently Lem here was attempting to rescue Wallace. Him and Harvey were working together to try and save Wallace because at some point they were together, I guess you could say. But something went wrong and Lem burnt down the tent and then took the rap for it. Is that why you got in trouble way back then, Lem? Yeah, burn it. I still got the Zippo. That's what we gotta do is we gotta burn it. Seems easy enough. Hey, Lem, I'll give you 20 bucks for that Zippo. No, I can't. Look, I can adjust the flame and everything. Yes, that's very nice, Lem. So, Charlene, tell me, earlier you, you mentioned that you can see into the future. Yes, I did mention that. And I know what you're going to say. Well, then answer the question. I mean, you know what I'm going to say. I'm limited a little bit, okay? I know that she is at the carnival. She's in the big tent right 
now. I can sense her, but I can't see. Would you happen to know if she can see in the same way that you can? No, that's the beautiful thing. I have two of the stones. I am able to do things that she cannot do. And that's how we're going to get her other stone. Plus, I've got you guys. So, I mean, come on. And Lem back there with the lighter? I wouldn't discount Starbuck. No, she is tricky, but, you know, she's kind of old, like centuries old, I understand. She's getting a little sloppy. Unless she wants you to think that she's getting sloppy. I don't try to think that far ahead in advance. Hey, Roy, did I tell you my great plan? So we're going to have Rocky stripped down. No, I don't need to hear it. And he's not going to wear any clothes at all. That's, that's That's not going to happen. I don't need to hear this anyway. Look, guys, time is running out. I think we need to hit her before she mentions some sort of ritual. And I kind of get the impression that that's going to take place either at the grand opening or immediately before. And I think we do our best to probably try to stop that in advance. So let's burn it down. It worked last time, right? I can jump us into the big tent. Okay, but from there, we need to figure out what the course of action should be once we're inside. Now, I know Lem has the Zippo. Maybe he could run to the tent and burn it once we're inside. What are your ideas? I'm not great with the whole planning thing. Maybe I should get naked? Hey, Lem. Yeah. (gasps) How do you feel about reliving your glory days? Mmm, fire good. Sorry, drifted off there. We might need a repeat performance of 1947. How are you feeling? I feel as good as I did yesterday. Mm, it's not saying much, is it? Plus, I found another Zippo in my other pocket. I got two. It sounds like this place is going to go up twice as fast now, so... We'll double our odds. You pick the Zippo you like the best, all right? And one of us will take the other ones. That way, if something happens to you, we don't lose both of our Zippos, all right? Yeah, that's good. Two's better than one? Well, I was taught back when I had math. And very slowly and gingerly just reach across and, like, push one of the Zippos out of his hands and just up and slowly bring it back. But that's my second favorite! Yeah, all right, but make sure to return it when you're done, all right? Uh, I, I promise. Make sure you, you get your Zippo back. I'll break his legs if he doesn't. That's my Roy. So that's, that's our plan? We're gonna just show up and try and burn the place down well i still think like maybe a little bit of a distraction would be good you sure about the whole clothes situation you can run right into the belly of the tent and you can distract them for us i think you're the best distraction charlene you're what she wants you're the object of her desire if you showed up she loses all focus on everything else you're expendable true but i need to get close enough to the other stone so if she is distracted somehow then i can use my power to jump right next to her once we figure out her exact location inside the tent and just pluck it from her necklace why do you think you would be able to do that uh magic powers hello yes but she also has magic powers and she's had them for far longer and her powers aren't just knowing what's for dinner that's what that's all you do she is probably otherwise distracted with Pippa, too. I mean, we have enough dealing with Pippa 1. We don't need Pippa 2 as well. Unless you guys are going to stand there and look pretty. We have Lem burning one side of the tent and Rocky burning the other. What's Roy doing? I have uh, I have a gun that shoots fire and I'll pull up the flare. It seems like that's a little easier to do than a Zippo. You'll be our bodyguard. Will you be my bodyguard? No. I'll be Lem's. <laughs> Lem, you can call me Al. Let me get this straight. We burn everything and then we get out. No, 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 no. (laughs) Yes, that's the main point. Let's do it. High five. And I'll high five and break Lem's hand. That was the Zippo hand. Zippo high five. Tink, tink. Okay, so let's see if we get this straight. So I'm going to zap us in. We're going to do our little jumpy jump and scatter right i'll go straight for the necklace if you guys can provide any kind of backup or you know have my back or something that would be nice that's our plan okay do we want to like stop and maybe get some gas on the way you know don't worry about gas that thing goes up in a flash trust me all right we don't need gas i'm speaking from experience true you look kind of dumb rocky all right if lemon says it goes up it goes up it goes up they definitely have not improved their tent I made out of recycled plastic now, but still melt. All right, where are we going? I'm ready. Jesus, take the wheel. Hmm, Jesus ain't gonna follow us where we're going, Lem. Yeah, he is. We're not going that far. 
So I'm going to be dropped on one side of the tent. Lem's going to be dropped on the other side of the tent. And then you're going in with Roy. Sorry, guys. Uh, we have to go in as a group together. You can't nightcrawler people around. We're going to be dropping in one particular spot, hopefully as close to where we assume that she's going to be. And we need to strike fast. You don't want to, like, start back in the, you know, maybe element of surprise back in the shadows. I think stealth is for dorks. I mean, I have successfully made a stealth roll before, so you could say I'm kind of an expert. I don't mean to brag, but I've made a successful stealth roll this scenario. I mean, Lem doesn't move all that quickly. Grease Lightning, watch me go! Yeah, but, I mean, he just walked up before. It's not like Lem had teleportation in the past. Wasn't invented yet. All right, where, where do I put my roller skates? I mean, if you want a chance, her just... All right, I mean, I'll sprint for the edge. I can drop us wherever you think is be the best spot for it. I just want to be dropped at my lounger with Sports Center on. All right, so here's the game plan. Charlene, you're going to jump us into the tent as close as you can get us to Starbucks. Roy, you're going to pull your flare gun and fire straight up. At the same time, Lem and I are going to split left, right, and head for the edges of the tent. It's not at all what I was going to do, but okay. Roy's going to Roy, so we, we know that much. That way we're dividing her attention three, at least three different directions. Hopefully she can't focus on all of us at once. Have you been reading The Art of War, Rocky? Because you are a goddamn strategist. This would be a little easier if I had... I don't even know where I left my revolver last I saw it. I don't know either. <laughs> Everyone understand what's happening here. We're, we're good? Aces! I'm good! Burn it all! Here, Rocky, you might you might need this to... Swiss Army knife. There's a corkscrew on there. Oh, those are really great for taking out eyes. There was a once time in, uh, in Ipanema, I, I took a guy's eye out with uh, a corkscrew. It wasn't pretty for him. But uh, we don't talk about Ipanema. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm getting distracted. Charlene, do your thing. All right, boys. Here we go. Hands form a circle. Jerks. Jerks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, uh, so all we have to do is count to three, and we'll be there, okay? Prepare, guys, uh, particularly Roy there. Keep your eyes closed, and take a deep breath right before we count down. Okay? I'll open my eyes and exhale. I hate teleportation. Are you guys ready? Sure. As ready as I'll never be. Three, two... Clothing optional, one... When you open your eyes, you are standing in the big top. You see Madam Starbuck just a few feet away, grasping Pippa by the shoulders. They're both wearing the same black dress. That's tacky. Clearly one of them is going to have to change. And in Pippa's hands, she's cradling a doll. In Madam Starbuck's hands... She's holding another doll in two pieces. And for some reason, the midsection of this doll is dripping blood. And they both look to you in surprise. Tune in next time as we play another reel of the Lovecraft tapes. Oh, I got a plan. Shit's gonna burn, yo. I'm gonna drape a flag over my body. My theory is that this will be the first plan that will ever go perfectly and nothing will go wrong. Roll for wrong. Well, I definitely feel more powerful. I feel, like, a clarity. Your allergy medication is kicking in. Right? That's what it feels like. It's like that, that moment of clarity before the, the sleepiness hits. I do not like what she did to Quinlan. How about to Tommy? I'm not as upset about Tommy because he was... A jerk and chauvinist and but it's it's a human being you can't do that to human beings and i'm assuming she's teaching me a lesson by ripping him in half or trying to show how weak and minuscule they are but letting me save her you know i'm cradling her so she obviously listened kind of bummed that i'm not gonna ever get my old body back but i'll live I guess. All right, guys. Well, now it's time for some hashtag recommendos where we share some of our geeky obsessions. So it's going to be Brian, uh, Gabe, uh, Matt, and then me. So, Bri, go ahead and start us off. Uh, my recommendo, surprisingly, is uh, made for Netflix movie series called Fear Street. 
It expands over three movies in different time periods. The first one is 94, and then they go to 1978, and then 1666. Basically, it's traveling the curse that's been put on their town. They're trying to figure this out. But what captured me is the special effects and the gore. It is very well done. One of the best, and this is saying a lot because the Fly 2 elevator scene, one of the best semi-decapitation deaths I've ever seen in a, in a movie. And that was in the first one in 1994. So even if you don't want to watch the rest, watch that first movie. But it's basically a bunch of teens that uh, figure out that they're cursed and they're trying to figure out how to break the curse as people in their town keep dying. And it's become a norm that people die. They accidentally stumble on something and now the attention is drawn on them and someone's tr- someone or something is trying to kill them. So their goal is to try to figure out how to stop that and save themselves initially. But then over the series, the movie, the other two movies, they want to save the town and, and try to save everybody that they can at that point. It's just fun, campy, but again, the special effects and the, the, the gore and the, it really touches that, that little tiny bit in my brain that needs to have that over the top surprise, which is hard to surprise at this point in all the movies that I've seen, but there's still at least three or four incidents across the movies that surprised me that I didn't think they were going to go that route and that I didn't think would have happened. And it was pretty damn cool to see somebody stepping outside of the, the box in in actually making a movie with something original. Usually it's oh paying homage to way back then, you know. This the, it was it was really well done. I enjoyed all three of them. Check them out. They're called uh Fear Street and you can find them on Netflix and it's a series of three movies. All right, thanks B. Uh Gabe, you're up next. Um I'm going to recommend a movie that I thought was going to suck. I'm recommending The Suicide Squad. I thought this movie was going to suck because I think The Suicide Squad is stupid. What I didn't account for is that James Gunn is awesome. I mean, I've seen every other James Gunn movie, and I loved all of them, but for whatever reason, going into this movie, I was like, this is going to suck. And I was so wrong. It was just a lot of fun. Everything that I can say I liked about it, I can just point at James Gunn and say that's the reason why. I mean, if you haven't watched all of his movies, watch all of his movies. I mean, his cast, you know, his Michael Rooker, Nathan Fillion, Sean Gunn, they're in this. They're all great. I love all of them. It just kind of does all the things that the original movie kind of failed at. You know, there's actual suspense. It's actually the Suicide Squad. Some great acting. I mean, I think that Harley Quinn is overused and doesn't really belong here, but Margot Robbie does her well. John Cena does his character well. I don't know. I just thought it was a blast. It's gory, which it needed to be. It's funny. All the jokes land, pretty much. It's got a very good light-hearted feel to it that DC really needed, because I like DC better than Marvel, but they have not done well in the movie front. It was a great film, and I, I couldn't recommend it more. I watched it twice, which I don't do very often, at least that quickly. So, there you go. That's uh, that's The Suicide Squad. It's on HBO Max or in theaters right now. Okay, uh, Matt, you're up. So, I'm going to... Um tread a bit off the beaten path tonight. I'm not going to be recommending a game. We're, we're, we're going to be a little more old-fashioned to that, and I'm going to recommend a book. We don't get enough book recommendos around here. Uh, so I'm going to recommend but it's called How to Invent Everything, A Survival Guide for the Stranded Time Traveler. It starts out as an introduction and a repair manual for a time machine that you just rented. However, you get not too far into the book, and the book flat out tells you that you can't repair your time machine, you're screwed. So the guy who is supposedly writing this manual then goes on to basically describe how to figure out where you are in time and from there tells you how to totally reinvent human society from starting with things like written and spoken languages to setting up uh, concrete numbers and math and things like agriculture, how to take care of animals, all the way up to like bartering and trading systems and currency. And it basically is... Uh, a really fun, really informative look at how, you know, how we came to be as humans, how things evolved over the decades, and how it could have been done better had we known before. Uh, so if you are, have uh, ever been interested in time traveling and you're a little bit worried about what happens if you get stuck, there's a book out there for you. 
It's called How to Invent Everything. This is a survival guide for the stranded time traveler, and it's by Ryan North. Very cool. Okay, so I'm going to finish this up here, guys. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie as well from 1989 called Dead Calm. Directed by Philip Noyce, uh, who later went on to direct The Quiet American. Uh, starring Nicole Kidman, Sam Neill, and Billy Zane. Follows the story of a Navy man who returns home from service uh, to an unexpected tragedy. His wife is en route, who is Nicole Kidman, to pick him up at the train station and gets in a wreck. And their son dies terribly, like a little four-year-old or something like that. He goes flying through the windshield. One of the greatest kid deaths in cinema. Of course, you know, as they, you might expect, she has some problems and uh, in order to cure her, they take an extended sailing vacation, I guess, around the world. And he helps her to just sort of level out and stop uh, relying on medication. Slowly but surely, she's beginning to heal. But then they encounter a stranded ship and a man who is taking a rowboat from the stranded ship. And he's clearly, like, has been at sea for many weeks or whatever and has had no food or water for a few days. And he's freaking out and the whole thing. That's Billy Zane. And uh, he basically says that his ship is on the verge of sinking and all of his shipmates have died because of botulism, some bad tinned food. So they take him in. and But Sam Neill, of course, is a little suspicious of this guy. His story doesn't track out because he Sam's a Navy guy, so he kind of knows what's going on a little bit. And he decides to row over while the guy's sleeping and check out the boat and finds terrors upon the boat and of course proof that the guy is not exactly who he says he is things didn't transpire the way that he said it did but by the time he gets back to his own boat zane has knocked out uh, nicole and uh, steals the boat so then what happens is there's a cat and mouse game between Sam Neill trying to stay alive long enough to get to the boat to save his wife. And she is simultaneously trying to outwit Billy Zane and save her husband. It's super suspenseful. What I like best about it is that the characters are very smart. Well, it has a very Hitchcockian kind of feel to it. I highly recommend it. So dead calm. All right, guys, that's going to be it for this episode of Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Meanwhile, you can find us at lovecrafttapes.com with links to all our hashtag recommendos and social media channels, including Reddit, YouTube, and our Discord server. We can chat with us in real time. You can find me on Twitter at Lovecraft Tapes. And if anybody wants to write me a fully-fledged parody of Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire called We Are Going to Start the Fire, send that to me on Twitter at TheRealWeirdKid. And if anybody can tell me a good funny quip to insert here in post, you can find me at LovecraftGabe. If anybody can let me know if this dress is flame retardant, that'd be great. At Brian Podcast. Until next time, roll four. Dollies. Fun fact, flammable and inflammable mean the exact same thing. The Lovecraft Tapes podcast is copyright 2021. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.